as the room continues to, to fill up. That was such an encouraging video for hope, but it kind of blew us away. Phyllis pointed out, she goes, wow, 29 years ago? For hope, that, it makes you just, well, those of us who are around at the beginning of hope. Uh, I remember back before hope was hope. And we were trying to figure out something, and we, Phyllis and I, of course, we were living in Boston at the time, and we started an organization called LIFE. Now, hope, which is helping other people everywhere, LIFE was love is for everybody. And it was going, and, you know, we had the LIFE, and we had actually a, a, like a big mobile medical clinic. I remember that. And um, it, was, it was just a, a full-time doctor, just drove around Boston and, and providing medical services for people. But then life kept getting confused with pro-life and all of that stuff, which is not that that what didn't, something that he didn't want to be associated with. It just brought up, you know, barrier, barriers we didn't want. And then things got shifted, and then they said, well, let's make it bigger than Boston. And then it kind of got blown up, and it just continues to grow. Uh, it changed to hope, and it's all over the world. God uh, has been able to do amazing things uh, through that. It's just been fun to watch it from its beginning, uh, that growing up. This is, as uh, Aaron mentioned, uh, the, I think our last official sun Sunday for special contribution. I look forward to next Sunday announcing our total. Uh, the reason I'm not going to announce it, because I know at least two more checks from people who've said, hey, can we still give? Which, of course, <laughs> yes. Um, but, but um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, how do I do that? And, you know, I just mail it in, you know, that type of a thing. I don't know what the amounts are. That, that's not, you know, important. They were just asking advice. So we know we got a couple of more coming in. Uh, and if there's anybody else who, who has that, um, uh, in that same situation, yeah, just go ahead and pop it in the mail, and uh, we'll take care of that. It's going to be exciting, though, next Sunday. Never before. Never before. The greatest amount given to Champaign Church since we've been here, uh, which has been very, very encouraging. Uh, several of you are here today. You're normally at that second service. Uh, however, we're not, I mean, not the second service, the third service. But we're not having the third service today because our campus ministry is at a MAC retreat this weekend. That's all virtual MAC retreat. So they're all in their homes and they're watching it. I do appreciate our band, the guys who took the time to be here, uh, get us a couple of worship songs and then they're going to go jump in their cars and run back to be with the other campus students uh, to, to be able to watch the MAC retreat. But that's what they're doing uh, this Sunday. And so we're not having that third service because all the campus would have been gone. It really would have been a sparse crowd. So we want to welcome the teens, the parents, the families with teens to our service here. Uh, we, we're happy to have you for this time. Amen. Next week, we'll go back to the other, other situation. Also next week, Phyllis, you know what day it is, right? We do it next week. We, we, we set the clocks back an hour. Ah, Phyllis's favorite day of the year. Uh, an extra hour, so when you're thinking, oh, I got to get up, no, I don't, and uh, then actually you're not waking up and it's still dark outside and you're going, why am I doing this? Also next week, we're going to start a new series, uh, as we often do in November, on gratitude, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll do that for the month of, of November, leading up into Thanksgiving. 2020 is a year we need to really look at gratitude, <laughs> you know, because sometimes it's very hard to be grateful of what's going on. This lesson is, is, is a kind of a wrap-up of the whole series that we've been doing on the foundations. And then we built it. We started this back in January about the foundations to build our life on. We've been doing this for now, well, I guess 10 months. 
and, uh, and going through that. And this lesson really sums up our response to that 10 months of what we've been going through and what we've been talking about. Salvation is more than something that just happens to us when we die. Salvation involves living the faith we proclaim every day we're still alive. What we have in our life. And we've been talking about building that life, building that foundation. Because there's so many. And I don't want to be critical of others because we can, I can fall into this so quickly as we just get into the routine of being a Christian, routine of being a disciple, and not really focus on living that faith every single day. Focus on building, constantly building upon that foundation. Uh, there's some uh, survey material <clears throat> talks about those who call themselves Christians. 52% do not maintain, admit, I do not maintain healthy relationships in the Christians, with other Christians. So 52, right, let's just say half, half of it. That was one of our first building blocks on top of the foundation of Jesus was discipleship. Meaning we need one another. Even to build the other things, we need one another in having those relationships. Uh, 68%, 68 says they do not read the Bible every day. People who claim, I believe in the Bible, the Bible's the word of God, but I don't go to it every day. Yet that was another one of our building blocks, the word of God. Prayer was a little bit better. Um, they talk about uh, uh, 79% say they pray every day. So that's good. Okay, 79 to 80%. And still leaves 20%, 1% that don't. But prayer was a little bit better. 59% said they do not uh, serve others first before themselves. Consider others before themselves. Almost 60%. Of the people, again, another one of our building blocks of service, of what we want to be. We want to be like Jesus. So we look at all of these things, 63% said, no, I don't really consistently live out my faith every day. I don't. We go to church, we sing songs, anchor for the soul, beautiful song, talk about that hope of heaven. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it may be something totally different. And that's what I really want us to reflect on today. Now, that's the negative part. That a third, a third of born-again Christians, people who call themselves Christians, they're not even alarmed at this. They don't even think this is an odd thing that that many people don't walk the walk, that aren't living their life, or not living a life worthy of the calling, like the passage Van read when Paul says, Live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. So that's the title of today is Worthy. Worthy. We're going to start this series. This is one of the reasons why we did start it. The building blocks, discipleship, prayer, word of God, serving others. We didn't even get to some of the other building blocks that we talked about. We could add on to this. We need to ask, am I living these things out in a manner that's worthy of the calling I've received? And, of course, all of us can kind of say, well, you know, I mean, I can always do better. Am I trying? Let's just ask that way, right? Am I trying to? Am I striving to do this? Because we can always improve in any given area. You know, I, I, I kind of worry about the person who says, yep, I'm doing everything. I'm pretty much perfect. Yeah. You know, got it down. Yeah. Thanks for checking up. The, you know, it's, 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 you know, we don't want to do that. We, but we do understand, I'm trying. I do wake up every morning and think about it and say, what can I do? I want us to consider what our brother James said in James chapter 1, in verse 22, when he says, 
Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James says that anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like the one who looks at his face in the mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what it says uh, for what they have heard, but doing it, James says they will be blessed in what they do. The past 10 months, we've looked intently at, first of all, Jesus. That was the foundation. Okay, Jesus is that foundation. Being like Jesus is the goal. Don't, not being a Christian, not being a member of a church, not being a good person. Being like Jesus. And then after that, we said we, we put in discipleship next, again, so we can help one another in that journey, in that quest to be like Jesus and building those close relationships. And about that time, COVID hit. And so at the time that we're trying to draw together and be closer to one another, we're told, stay separate. And then we said, well, this is great, though. We can use Zoom. And then we all got sick of Zoom. And it's really challenged us. But we moved on and we talked about prayer and the need to, to really connect with God on a personal, one-on-one, emotional level. We moved on and we talked about the Word of God and our need to be in the Word. And we're going to see here in a few more passages that talk about living a life worthy. Part of that life, it says, is, is knowledge and wisdom and knowing what God's will is. We've got to have the Word of God. And then most recently, as, as Aaron was reminding us this morning, we talked about serving. Because Jesus said, look, I came not to be served, but to serve. And we're supposed to be disciples of Jesus. And that is a, a readily outward manifestation of our faith and how much we're serving. But what James is saying is you can hear the word. You can come to all the lessons. You can come to church. You can log in online. You can go to D groups or house churches or do whatever. You can, you can read the Bible every day yourself. But unless it affects my day-to-day life, unless it's molding my character, unless it's helping me really become more and more like Jesus, then I'm deceived. I'm deceived. I think I'm doing great, but maybe I'm really not. I may think I'm spiritual, but I'm not. I may think I'm uh, something and, and really have my act together. I may look spiritual to others. Oh, they're spiritual. They're always at church. Knowledge does not equal spirituality. Attendance does not equal spirituality. If you remember, we had a lesson and a a thought several years ago. Being like Jesus is what being, being spiritual is. And the degree to which someone is or is not like Jesus is the degree to which someone is or is not spiritual. Having spiritual thoughts doesn't necessarily even make me spiritual. Am I Trying to be like Jesus. I'm reminded of Nicodemus. Remember that guy? Nicodemus, Nick at night, right? He came to see Jesus. He's trying to talk to Jesus. And what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And you look at Nicodemus' life, and he seemed to be a God-fearing, religious, righteous dude. He's doing all the things and everything else. But Jesus said, no, Nick, you've got to be born again. And there's so much more in that statement than, you know, born of the water and the spirit and baptism and a new life. He's talking about 
No, you need to be transformed. You need to be changed. You need to become a new man from the inside out, a new character. It's not just about these actions that you do. You need to be born again into a new person that's trying to be like me. And that's the message Jesus would have for us, just like he had for Nicodemus. Because it occurs to me there's two, basically two types of, of, of people who call themselves Christians. There's those who like to go to a big church or a little church or whatever church that's going to give them a fuzzy, warm feeling and make them feel secure. There's nothing wrong with feeling secure. But that's not the whole purpose. The other kind who says they're doing whatever they can to develop a strong bond, a servant relationship with Jesus and says, I want to be like you, Lord. That's why I'm doing this. And I hope that's what we're going through. It all depends on our mindset. It all depends on our focus. We can focus on the earthly life or we can focus on the kingdom of God. Am I trying to live worthy of this world or worthy of the kingdom of life? Worthy of the calling we've received. That's why the title of the lesson is Worthy. Living a life worthy. A lot of passages that talk about this. And a lot of us struggle with this because self-esteem, <laughs> a healthy, a positive self-image is, is, is characteristically one of the weakest of the virtues. All the stuff is say, oh no, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not that good. We always do that. We always put ourselves down. But the Bible says we can be worthy. and We can live a life that's worthy of the calling. Let's look at some of this. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, it says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, he says, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So again, you know what I was talking about a moment ago, you can't get away from the word of God. He's praying that you be filled with knowledge of his will. And then the Holy Spirit brings us the wisdom and the understanding to really put that into to practice in our lives and apply it to our lives today. Moving on to verse 10. He says, I want that to happen so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have a great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He goes, I want you. To live that life worthy of the Lord. Of course, there's the passage that Van just read us a few moments ago from Ephesians chapter 4. And that first line in, in verse 1 of Ephesians 4, Paul said, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you, I'm begging you, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. What does that mean? What does that mean, live a life worthy? I mean, it means me living a life that has value, that reflects the value of the calling, reflects the worth 
of the calling that we have received. Well, what is the calling? Well, one thing we got to understand, all right, we all know, we all understand, we just had communion that celebrates and reminds us that Jesus died for us. He sacrificed his life for us. We need to live a life that honors that death. We need to be, be better because of it. Our life should reflect appreciation and indebtedness, if you will, to the sacrifice made by Jesus. And the life I live and the way I even think about that reflects how worth, how much worth do I think that life really had that Jesus sacrificed. Do I even think about that? You remember the movie Saving, Saving Private Ryan? Yeah, you remember that, that, that last kind of scene? And I've seen it a dozen times. It still makes me cry. Now, if you're young, you don't know this movie, you need to watch it, okay? It's a good movie. And I'm going to give you a spoiler here at the end on account of it's been over 20 years. And okay, time's up. But, <laughs> but at the end, you know, you got that scene there, and there's Tom Hanks and. They've been looking for this guy, you know, Private Ryan, and they're going to find him and send him home. And in this mission to look for him, Tom Hanks gets shot, and he's dying, and he, and he pulls Private Ryan down to him, and he whispers in his ear, earn this. And, uh, you know, first of all, that kind of bugged me, you know, earn this. He can't earn it. It's already happened. You're dead. The other guys that were on the mission with Tom Hanks, his own mission was to find this guy and bring him to freedom, get him out of the war so that he wouldn't get killed. They gave their lives so this, this guy could live, but it had already happened. Matt Damon could have lived any life he wanted to. He could have been a complete derelict, and it wouldn't have changed the fact. But then I got to one thing, that's really not what he was saying. He wasn't saying, earn it right there. What he was really saying was, You've been given an incredible gift. Make something out of it now. Do something with this. And, and you know, that, that just hit my heart. When you see that line and when, then, you know, through the magic of the movies, Matt Damon morphs into the old man at the end of his life. And he's wondering, did I do it? Did I live a life worthy of those guys dying so that I could live. So I ask us, we're made worthy, are, are we living a life worthy of the life that was given for us? What motivates me to discipleship? What motivates me to pick up my Bible when I just want to lay in bed or I want to read something else, the news, anything? What motivates me to pray? What motivates me to serve when I don't want to serve? I want to be selfish. Do I think about Jesus and go, you know what? I've been given a special gift. And I don't know how much longer I've got this life, but I've got it right now. I need to make something out of it. I need to do something with this life. There's an expectation. When I read these passages about Live a life worthy of the calling. There's an expectation to do that. Look in first, I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 
Paul's talked about this to the Colossian church. He's talked about this to the Ephesian church. Now he's talking about this to the Thessalonian church. He says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace our God, of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, our worthiness, we understand, it comes from God. It's not because we're so great, right? The worthiness comes from God, but it should spark something in us. Just like with Saving Private Ryan, those other people brought him that gift. And then he was saying, this needs to spark something in you. God has made us worthy so we can get over our self-esteem issues. It's not because we're so great. But God has says, no, I have done this for you. That makes you worthy. And the things that we do, it says it's by his power. But notice what it said. It was by his power. His power works to bring to fruition your every desire for goodness. That thing that it sparks in us. This gratitude for Jesus. This appreciation he says, God's power can bring to fruition your desire for goodness and your every deed that's prompted by your faith. See, I pray that we can be convicted so much by the sacrifice of Jesus and I'm going to build my life on him. Because without that, without that foundation, I've got no life. I'm building it on him. We've been called to greatness. You, and maybe you're sitting there going, I'm not great about anything. No, you've been called to greatness. Another great movie of the past, a little bit different, The Lion King. Remember The Lion King? They even made an updated version of this. I mean, it's on Broadway, it's all over the place. You know, and you got Osimba, the little kid lion, you know, and he's hanging out with dad. It's Mufasa, isn't it? Isn't that dad's name? No, what's dad's name? Okay, just take your mask off. I don't know what in the world. No, Mufasa's the bad guy. Okay, I had it right. Okay, just say yes then, because they were going, I'm going, you're messing me up. Okay, I thought, look up the stinking father's name and write it down, but I didn't do it. But Simba, and his dad's, you know, you're awesome, but he makes a terrible mistake. He makes a horrible mistake, and he realizes life is no good. I'm, I'm, I'm used up. I'm not worthy. And he runs away, and he goes out to this worldly lifestyle, this kahuna, uh, uh, what is that? Well, I did write that. Hakuna Matata. No worries. My problem-free philosophy yeah, I can just live life, baby. Life is great and life is fun for a little while. No responsibilities. Then he has a vision of his father. He says, remember who you are. You are my son. The one true king. You need to remember. We need to remember who we are. We need to remember whose children we are. 
who you are and whose you are. Whom's? Whose? And your past mistakes, your past sins, your past failings don't matter. What matters is today or tomorrow. Can I live a life worthy of the calling I receive? Remember who you are. Remember what we've been called to. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you weren't a people, now you are. You are a people of God. Once you didn't receive mercy, now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and as exiles to abstain from the sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. You were chosen. You didn't choose God. God chose you. Don't try to figure out why. Just say, wow, okay. Now, yes, you responded to it. Amen. You responded, but God chose you. Yes, you. Right now, I just want you to tell yourself. You don't have to say it out loud because that can get weird. But just say it to yourself. God chose me. I'm a child of God because he chose me. To be in a royal priesthood. Not just a priesthood. I mean, that would be cool. Priesthood's pretty good. It's that, that representative between God and man, the mediator. And we help mediate other people that God has chosen and trying to encourage them to respond to that calling of God. But it's not just a priesthood, it's a royal priesthood. A royal, a part, you're part of the royal family. And all the privileges that go with that. Part of a holy nation. Well, our current nation is going through some tribulations right now. Don't know if you've noticed. And there's four different reasons and Different one of us, even in this room or that are online watching right now, you maybe have different opinions on all the different angles and sides of all of those different reasons and, and all that stuff. He says, but you're from a different nation. You're from a holy nation, a separate nation, a set-apart nation. He goes on to say in verse 10, once you weren't a people, but now you're a people. You're significant. You are important now. Verse 11, you, uh, we, we are not of this world any longer. We are foreigners and exiles while we're in this world. And the only thing I will really say about our current political state and social state right now is don't get sucked into, the, into and sucked down by the worldly drama that our nation has right now. Because you're from a different nation. You're from a different people. And live your life worthy of God's holy nation. You have the most valuable commodity in the universe. God's mercy. <laughs> That's the most valuable commodity. At the end of the day, when you're on your dying bed, taking your last breath, you know what you're going to want? It's not going to be money. It's not going to be possessions. It's going to be mercy. 
He says, once you didn't have it, now you got it. We are being called to greatness. So I want to urge you, like Peter did, like Paul did to the church in Ephesus and Colossae and Thessalonica, live a life in a manner that's worthy of the calling you've received, of all the things that I've just shared. You know what to do. You do. You've been around. You know how to live the life worthy of that calling. God's power, God's knowledge, God's spirit guides you. Discipleship. You know, getting with others, helping them to be more like Jesus, allowing them into your life that they can help you be more like Jesus. Stop using the excuse that someone hurt you 25 years ago. And start living a life today worthy of the calling you've received. The word of God. The holy scriptures. The things that, that, that we've read about and, and we were just reading about in Colossians and Ephesians. These things that give us the knowledge and the wisdom and the power that lead us to living that life worthy. You know what to do. We know what to do. Prayer. I know a brother that used to uh, disciple me, Mike Santacola. He goes, I, 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 I hate teaching on prayer, and I even hate studying it out because I always think, I just need to shut up and pray. I know what to do. I know how to pray. I just need to pray. I don't need to find some new fancy, you know, Greek or Hebrew thing about prayer. I just need to pray. And I think about that sometimes. I go, yeah, you know what? Yeah, we know what to do. We just need to do it. We need to live that life worthy. Serving others. They're all around. Opportunities are everywhere. We know what to do. We've talked for 10 months on specifics on what to do. I want to encourage us all. As a servant for the Lord then, I want to urge those of you in this room, those of you watching online, those of you who may be watching later, live a life worthy the calling that you have received. Amen.